Good evening, everyone. My name is Barbara Strickland. I'm a compulsive overeater. And I'm your chair for the 2007 R2 convention. So reminder, please talk off all cell phones. Would everyone please uh, join me and join hands, please, and join in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Now, I'd like, I'd like to introduce Angela, who is our Region 2 trustee. Good evening, Region 2. I'm very excited to be here tonight to kick off our annual Region 2 convention. Uh, clap your hands here. It's, it's of late that I have this privilege. I was reelected to a three-year term, and I... I want to say, um, I guess, in a, a words of a song, let's see if I can do this correctly. When you wish upon a star, makes no difference who you are. Any dream your heart desires will come your way. That happened to me. <laughs> My recovery... Uh, out of disease and compulsive overeating has come my way, as well many of you who are newcomers here tonight. And also what's come our way is the idea of actually seeing region, um, the 50th anniversary of, of the convention, region, let's say this correctly, 2010 Convention for World Service is coming our way in Los Angeles. We've settled the dates for that. Thanks to our former trustee, we'll have that opportunity to bring that into the historic 50th year of Overeaters Anonymous. With that, I will pass the mic to the next person who's coming behind me. And again, congratulations, Region 2, for another successful convention. Thank you. Okay, I'd like to ask Faye to come up and read us the uh, 12 steps. Oh, my word. Hi, everyone. I'm Sam, the compulsive eater. Here we go. <laughs> and these are the 12 steps. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Step five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Step seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Step eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. 
Step 9. Made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Step 10. Continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Step 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him. Praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Step 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thank you, Faye. And now I'd like to ask Sal to come on up and read us the 12 traditions. I'm a compulsive overeater. Uh, Twelve traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as He may express Himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. The only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to compulsive overeaters who still suffer. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, least problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. 7. Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. 8. Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. 9. OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all of our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Wow. Who would have dreamed that we would have all of these compulsive overeaters together in recovery in the same room? It's been 12 long years since the last Region 2 convention in San Diego, and it's only been possible due to a lot of work by a really great committee, none of whom had very much experience in this kind of thing when we got started. We hope you really uh, enjoy the convention. We have lots of activities planned, and we hope it won't be such a long time before we get to have you come back to San Diego. Our theme is 
recovery beyond our wildest dreams. And of course, that phrase comes to us from our co-founder, Roseanne. We're sorry that she can't be with us. But think about it. Nearly 50 years ago, Roseanne dreamed that impossible dream, recovery from compulsive overeating. For me, it takes me back to when I first came into OA. Very discouraged, I had fought a weight problem most of my adult life. I would have never dreamed it was possible to have the life that I have now. And we have a very special edition of our intergroup newsletter, uh, The Reach Out, um, and I have uh, a little thing in there. But I would like to share that um, the dress I'm wearing. My mother was always a very petite person, uh, and this was her dress. I would have never been able to wear that dress before I came into OA. I would like to take a few moments to remember a few of our friends here in San Diego who are no longer with us. Our 1995 convention chair, who was also my sponsor, Vivian M. Susan T., who sponsored half of the fellowship in San Diego. <laughs> Agnes W., whose story is in the second edition of Overeaters Anonymous. And Tom C., who helped us find our beloved oasis. And Donna N., our poet laureate. Now, turning to a little bit lighter note, I want to introduce our committee chairs. We are all here to help you, and you can easily identify us by our blue-colored uh, ribbons which say committee. Do not hesitate to come up to any one of us if you have any questions or just need a hug. We probably need a hug, too. <laughs> Some of our committee members are still working and may not be here right now, but I'm going to ask them to come up uh, as I call them. Please hold your applause until all of the committee members are on stage. First, Reggie, our entertainment chair. Hi, I'm Reggie Compulsive Over You, Alcoholic Survivor. And you know, this last 18 months uh, has been long. And uh, something expired, expired me, inspired me to write how I felt about this convention this year. And so I came up with this. And you remember the, the little thing Caesar and Julius did, you know, friends run, friends of me, okay. Remember that, okay. Compulsive overeaters, bulimics, anorexics. Lend me your tools. We all come together to bear our compulsion, not to praise it. We all need sponsors to guide us through steps, especially step four. We all need literature to read when we are alone and lost. We all need to go to meetings so we can learn from each other's experience. We all need to do service so to help the path for others who will follow we all need to write down our feelings so we can release them, not stuff them. We all need to make phone calls. I hate this. 
to each other. This is called reaching out. We all need to cherish anonymity so we all can feel safe. We all need to give ourselves a gift each and every day. This is the gift of abstinence. If we all do use these tools of recovery in our lives each and every day, then we will achieve, achieve spiritual recovery. Thank you. Next, I'd like to introduce our program chair, Phyllis. Our t-shirt chair, Richard. Hotel liaison, Millie. Newcomers, Gina. Fundraising, Diane. Hospitality room, Donna. Volunteer coordinator, Janet. The one member we cannot live without, our secretary, Leslie. <laughs> Literature, Jerry. <laughs> Treasurer, LaRue. <laughs> Security, none other than my very own husband, Bill. <laughs> Public information, Joan. Registration, Millie, um, Mickey. <laughs> Decorations, you'll get this one. Ilana. <laughs> We'd like to ask you to join us and our theme song, When You Wish Upon a Star, the words are in your pockets. The wands that are in your chairs are yours to keep. Please feel free to wave them. <coughs> Ready?
out. <laughs> okay. We would like to remind any members of the media who are present that OA's 11th tradition states our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. This means that the fellowship itself is not anonymous, but its members are. Please avoid identifying OA members in your articles and interviews. We ask that you use only our first names or pseudonyms of OA members and that you obscure the faces of those who identify themselves as OA members in on-camera interviews. If you'd like to talk to anyone, please arrange it with our public information chairperson, Joan Dwinnell. Now I'd like to introduce our program chairperson, Phyllis. Good evening. Are we having fun yet? Just give me a minute to get myself in order here. My name is Phyllis and I'm a chunky, drunky, junkie. And this is probably one of the most exciting experiences of my program membership. I was telling somebody tonight that it was easier to be a speaker than to be a program chairperson. Okay, you guys. I came prepared, I think. Give me an S. Give, give me an A. Give me an N-D-I-E-G-O. San Diego. It's a great privilege to be here, and it's a great privilege to be part of this program. It is said <clears throat> that the lifeblood of the program is a newcomer. We would like to acknowledge the courage it takes to walk into OA as a newcomer. Think about the time that you first walked in the room. Would everyone in their first 30 days of program kindly stand and remain standing? I think we ought to turn up the house lights. here among you whose first day of abstinence is today? First week of abstinence? We have a design for living that really works. Part of that design, our primary purpose, is abstinence from compulsive eating, bulimia, or undereating, whichever it may be. It's all the same. Each person is the sole judge of his or her abstinence. If you have 35 years or more of abstinence, would you please stand? Remain standing, please. 
if you have 30 to 35 years. Come on, you guys. Twenty-five to thirty. Twenty to twenty-five. I just did. One to five years. Oh, great. Right on. And 30 days to one year. We're all standing now because right now we're all abstaining. We are all in recovery. For some of us, it's the beginning. For others, it's been a lifelong journey. Wherever you are on the road, we all belong in OA. This is our home. This is the pe- these are the people that are going to make our lives easier as we go through the journey of recovery. Just hug the nearest person to you. As a newcomer, cut that out. (laughs) As a newcomer, hello, (laughs) we don't have all night. (laughs) You're only supposed to hug the person next to you, not the whole row. As a newcomer, one of the most important things we hear is keep coming back no matter what. And it's even, oh, I'm sorry, it's even more inspiring to actually see people who are doing that. We are now going to find the member with the longest time in OA, and if you've kept coming back no matter for how long, please have a seat. Five years or less is sitting. You're all supposed to be standing. Now I'm giving you... Ten years or less. Fifteen years or less. Twenty years or less. Twenty-five years or less. Thirty years or less. Thirty-one years. Thirty-two years. 33 years, 34 years, 35 years, I sit. 36, Jack. At this time, I personally would like to extend my gratitude to all of those who worked on this 
wonderful, wonderful program, and to invite Barbara back up on the stage so we can go on with the program. Next, we're going to have our speaker, um, and on the question of speakers, there will be tapes and CDs of all keynote speakers, uh, and also the workshops, not the marathons. Uh, they're going to be out there in the foyer, and uh, please be sure to pick them up, and you can pick up ones that you liked or ones that you missed, or all of them. Uh, however you want to do that. Uh, we would like to remind you that all speakers share their own experience, strength, and hope. They do not speak for the convention, Region 2, or OA as a whole. Uh, and on that note, would you please give a warm Region 2 welcome to Terrell. Hi, I'm Terrell, I'm compulsive overeater. Uh, before I start, a little bit of business. Um, my R2 WSO rep gave me this to turn in, and I've not been able to find anyone to give money to. So, whoever is supposed to collect this from me, please see me after. Got it. Okay. The other thing I have to talk about, because this isn't a program of attraction yet, uh, and not promotion, but I am the chair of the LA Intergroup. You know what that means. We have a birthday party. And uh, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be on February 2nd to the 24th. We've moved it to February so more people can attend. So I'm shamelessly promoting our birthday party. There'll be uh, um, little bookmark, bookmarks out there on the table. You can take them, take them back to your meetings, pass them out. We'd love to see everyone in Los Angeles. So that's my shameless promotion. So, yeah, back to my story. Um, I am a compulsive reader. My name is Terrell. Um, let's see, I'll get the numbers out of the way kind of quickly, because I am passing around a picture. Um, my top weight is about 325 pounds, and I have 28 years of abstinence. So, and you would think with that, I could just pretty much just sit down and go, well, isn't that enough? Is that not enough to say that this program works and it's worth coming around and staying abstinent? Because for me, I wouldn't do this if it was not worth it. I'm lazy. I came in very, very lazy, and I didn't want to do this. But I keep doing this. I keep working a program so I can reap the benefits. So the payoff is worth every bit of pain I've ever gone through as I've written an inventory or as I've, as I've basically paid my dues to get what I get, the recovery I get. Um, since you love you don't know who I am, I'll kind of give you a brief description of where I came from. Um, I came from an alcoholic family, so I was pretty much destined for a 12-step program. Um, either that or insanity or death. I mean, it was, that was pretty much what it was, I was determined to be. Um, I, I, as, as you'll see this picture, this is my senior high school picture. Literally, um, I really don't know what my top weight is. Those scales at 300 pounds, but I'd step on it to be 118. I'd step on it again be 280. I'd step on it again. So, literally, either the scale didn't have a strong enough metal to weigh 300 pounds, or I was over 300 pounds. So, um, and my life consisted of TV, food, and me. It was a wonderful menage a trois. Um, and I literally, would, I would go to school, then come home, clean the house, hoping that would make my alcoholic parents stop, uh, stop fighting. And then I would basically clean up after the kids, after dinner, 
and basically turned the garbage disposal and just shoved through my, my face as I clamped the leftovers. My favorite food, binge food, was dried spaghetti because it was not countable. You could count ice cream, you could count loaves of bread, but no one counted the dried spaghetti. And I would grab, grab the dried spaghetti and I'd go in the, in the bathroom and eat dried spaghetti. And that's how I dealt with my life. And I turned to food at a very early age. I learned at um, probably about age five, four or five, that fudgesicles made my life better. And I turned to food because of what it did for me. It made me, it took me away from Terrell. Because I didn't want to be Terrell. And if you had my life, you didn't want to be me either. And literally what happened was I would get that, that bite and I'd get that warm glow. And I, that food still has that capacity for me that I, that I see the compulsive reader to this day, and I'm still that compulsive reader, who will chase that ever period of rest. And that's what we get from food. If we go like, I can get that bite in me, and I can go, I relaxed. And the world goes away. And I literally am just at, it's like this, this whole, like, no matter what's going on, I get my food and I go, I can breathe. And without my food, I become irritable, discontent, and I am scared, and I am very afraid of you, and I hate my life. So what I've, what I've learned is that um, this program took away my food, but they gave me something in return. I came to the program the first time when I was 17. I'm uh, 51, so you can do the math. It was 1977. 73, sorry. 1973 is the first time I came to Novers Anonymous. Um, it was all housewives. I was a 17-year-old kid, and I did not feel like I fit in. But at my first meeting, this man got up and said he lost 100 pounds. And it gave me hope. Because, see, I just believe that there's two types of people on this planet. There were sins and there were fats. And occasionally a fat became a thin, but a thin never became a fat. And so here I'm at 300 plus pounds, and I'm destined to be fat the rest of my life. Um, and so at my first meeting, when this man said he lost 100 pounds and I believed him, it gave me that, that hope. So if you're nothing else tonight, hear this. I'm a man who has lost over 100 pounds and has kept it up for over 28 years. Now that... That is a friggin' miracle. Friggin' miracle, if you ask me. Um, I'll try not to cuss on the podium. But I am who I am. Yeah, make no excuses. You know, this is who you get. That's what Phyllis knew what she was getting when she asked me. So, um, basically, so I came to my first, I came to a uh, program when I was 17. You folks talked about steps. They were for my sick alcoholic parents. You folks talked about being honest. Oh, no. No. Um, and you talked about a God. I prayed to God. I was raised very religious. And um, I went to Sunday school two years in a row, didn't miss a Sunday. I was very religious. Uh, very religious. And I prayed to God every night. God, please let my parents stop drinking and fighting. And when I wake up, let me be thin. And once you know, when I wake up in the morning, I'd still be fat. And my parents were still drinking and fighting. And I said, I kind of got it. I got it at a very early age. That, that, God, that God was punishing me for all those horrible things I had done. Because God is all-powerful and omnipotent, and that's the God I was raised with. That literally, that, that God at any second could stop me thin. And if he's not stopping me thin, it's because of the horrible, point, horrible person I am. Now, that's a 17-year-old boy who all he did was eat and watch TV. 
but I was born guilty. I'm a, I'm a compulsive overeater. I am born guilty. That is just who we are, guilty. We'll make any excuse not to make ourselves guilty. We'll, do, we'll, we'll try to humble ourselves. We'll get in situations to not try and make ourselves not guilty, to, get, to make people, to excuse us for not being guilty, but we just feel like we're guilty. Um, and it was, um, and I like to, I could not also do the fourth step because of the deep dark secret that I had. And I couldn't show this deep dark secret. And that's one of the reasons why God was punishing me. So, but I did take a, a food plan that was on a gray sheet of paper. And I lost 125 pounds in five months on that gray sheet of paper. You know, if you want to lose weight, you're in the right place. I don't, it might not be PC to say this, but we lose weight in this program. This is program, this is our hook. This is what brings people in to our midst. We do not, our, we do not promote spiritual, spiritual insanity. As the saying goes, we came for our vanity, we stayed for the sanity. And that's our hook. Because we get to have people talk about how they came in over as anonymous and they could not keep weight off for years. And they would go, yo, 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 yo. And then they come in over as anonymous and they hear stories of long-term weight loss. And that's our hook. And that's one side of our program because we're a threefold disease. Physical, spiritual, and emotional. And that's one of the things I find that I have found. I've got spiritual, physical recovery. Now, the problem is with physical recovery, it's not the end on all, be all. So if I didn't work the steps, because they're from my sick alcohol parents, um, and I didn't, I didn't, basically I didn't deal with, those, the, the, with the causes and effects. I didn't deal with the things that caused me to seek excess food, because I was seeking excess food to get rid of me. And if I couldn't get rid of, I just had to get rid of me, and that's all I had to do was just get rid of me. And that's why I, that's why I had to put back on 75 pounds. So I basically, with a head full of knowledge, a belly full of, belly full of food, got me nowhere. Where I literally, I was, I mean, I was talking about how I can lose weight. I can lose weight. See, I've lost 125 pounds. I can lose weight as I'm going up in weight. Which literally I was using my past glories, resting on my laurels, to talk about what I can do. Or what I did do. But not talking about what I am doing. Um, what happened was, um, I dealt with that deep dark secret. And for some of you know, or have heard me on in the virtual speaker bureau, so far, I, I came out of the closet. I'm a gay man, and it was literally, but I think that a lot of us in this room, probably most of us, eat over our sexuality, regardless of what the sexuality is, because sexuality brings up intimacy, it brings up body image, it brings up a lot of stuff. That's compulsory to do, we have a hard time dealing with that, and I ate over my sexuality. And uh, they, before I came out, they said, Cheryl, if you lose the weight, you'll get the girls. It was like, <laughs> after I came out, they said, Cheryl, if you lose the weight, you'll get the boys. And I was thinking, now we're talking. Now we're talking. So I got down to what, uh, about 160 pounds on what I call my donut diet. And my donut diet is, if you don't anything all day long, except nine or ten donuts at night, um, I was able you know, to maintain your weight. And God bless the newcomer, because the newcomer came with me after one night, after I talked about my donut diet. She said, if the donut diet worked, why'd you stop? <laughs> the only thing I could say to her was, well, keep coming back, baby. Just keep coming back. Um, what, so I, um, what brought me back to the program the second time around is I was maintaining my weight at 160 pounds on the donut diet, which is basically 50 pounds less, less than I weigh now. But I was so fat that back then. I was so fat. You don't know how fat I was at 160 pounds. It had nothing to do with the body. It had to do with the head. Um, 
I well, I went I went to um, I've been fitted for contact lenses, and through this being fitted for contact lenses, my eye doctor told um, it was my prescription all over the board. And he asked me a simple question. He said, is there a history of hypoglycemia or diabetes in my family? And I said, yes. Um, my grandmother died from them taking body parts from her, from her diabetes. Eating hard candies in bed while they're taking body parts. But, you know, you think, I'm not going to say she's a compulsive reader, but if they're taking body parts, you think you'd stop eating sugar candy in bed with, with, when they're taking limbs. So I said, yes. He asked me, um, um, I said, a little, basically, you know. Nineteen Donuts is not a lot of sugar. I can eat a three-pound box of these candies without blinking, as long as I have a glass of milk to wash it down and b- balance out the chemistry, because I've got to have that chemistry going. You know what I'm saying? We're literally, I got too much sugar, so I got to put some protein in me. I got the protein in, and I can eat some more sugar. And I'm, I mean, I'm, I've got it down. Um, I heard, uh, uh, I heard a drug guy talk about speedballing. I said, what is speedballing? He said, well, that's where you mix, her- uh, mix heroin and speed together. And I said, well, that's a crazy thing to do. <laughs> he said, it made you level. And I got it, because that's why I eat donuts. Because donuts, what it is, is it takes flour, which is very, very lethargic. If I eat a bread, like a loaf of bread, I get very lethargic. I just get tired. I just need to take a little nap. Life becomes hard. I just need to rest. If I eat bread, if I eat sugar, I get very, I get very up here on the ceiling. I'm just nervous energy like this. So if you take flour, which makes me lethargic, and the sugar and mix them all together, and then throw out some hot grease, it gets me to where I go, hmm. Hmm. This is a speedball. I'm an addict. I'm a dyed-in-the-wool addict. Um, so what happened, so um, the doctor told me, he said, if I did not stop eating sugar, I'd be blind within a year. I then went over to Europe and proceeded upon 30 pounds in six weeks by eating Swiss chocolate, Bavarian pastries, French. I mean, I, I binged my way through Europe. When I was binging my way through Europe, I was stuffing my face full of sugar and chocolates and pastries. And I can remember thinking in my head, I can still see. When things start to go gray, that's when I'll stop. Now, that's when my disease took me. Want to sacrifice my eyesight for one more bite of chocolate. Just one more bite. Just one more bite. I just need one more bite. And sometimes I don't need to eat it. Sometimes I can just buy it and have it in my possession. Sometimes I get that, the world's gone away. And that's why I binged, to make the world go away. The problem is, I lose my eyesight and I lose my life and I lose everything. So when I came back from Europe after six weeks, six weeks of binging, I came back to Overs Anonymous. And with, I had to let go of all those reasons why I could not do OA. See, I'm, I'm not, I can't do what, I can't work with, you know, do that three meal thing. I can't, blah, 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 blah. I had all these excuses. But, they, but, but food ate them up. Food ate up all my excuses. So I came back to Overs Anonymous. I started going to five, six meetings a week. And I, was a, I got a sponsor. I started sponsoring people. I became a member of Overs Anonymous. The first time in, I was a tourist. I was coming once a week, whether I needed it or not, just for moral support. And that's what I got, once a week recovery. When I came back the second time, not the last time, when I came back the second time, I became an active member of Overs Anonymous, and that's what I got. Full recovery. Full-time recovery, not once a week recovery. 
By the way, I'm an opinionated old-timer. Just, just get used to it. People in L.A. have, they understand it. If you don't, oh well, that's who I am. Um, so what happened was I, became, I started becoming an active member, had a spiritual experience, not like the heavens sang, and the, you know, there was no angel singing, anything like that. But I, I was walking to Alameda after about a couple months, and this small, still voice came over me that said, Terrell, you're going to be okay. You have the most right to be here is that tree. And I love you. And it was the first time in my life I felt like I wasn't breathing your air. Do you know what I mean by breathing your air? Where literally any second now you could come and take the breath away from me because that's how tenuous my existence was on this planet. That's what food did to me. So I had this wonderful spiritual experience. I was working a member, I became a member of Overeaters Anonymous. I always became active and I got cocky because I lost those 30 pounds I gained in Europe. And I went to my sponsor and said, I'm sick and tired of going to these rooms full of fat-ass people talking about their problems. I'm sick and tired of being told what I can and cannot eat, what I can and when I can and cannot eat. I want to go live my life. On a Friday night, we'll be out dancing with the boys in Palm Springs. I'm not going to be seeing some damn meeting in Cedar sinai Hospital. And at that time, I had left program. It was in December 1978. On January 5th, 1979, I broke my abstinence on two pieces of toast. And that was my last binge. Two pieces of toast. I know, it doesn't sound much. If I know it's my last binge, I've done better. But... But when I ate those two pieces of toast, the obsession with weight came pouring back over me. And when I say obsession with weight, I wanted to scale the weight me in grams because an ounce is too big of a measure to know if I'm losing or gaining weight because my existence depends upon how much I weighed. Not about what I did today, but how much did I weigh if whether it was going to be a good day or a bad day. So I needed to scale the weight me in grams. So the obsession came pouring over weight. The self-obsession came back over me. And I saw the donut stand. I was going to go to that donut stand. And I was going to go get my donuts. And I got scared. I got really scared. And I said, God, I went to bed. I said, God, please help me. I cannot do this. I cannot do it one more time. I cannot go out there one more time. And that had nothing to do with weight. Because you folks said the door will always swing out. But you never know if the door will swing back in. And I was out there. And that means that I might not have the peace and joy that I had for three months working this program. And I got so scared. And on January 6, 1979, I woke up and I came back to Overs Anonymous. I've been back ever since. So that means through the 80s, I stayed abstinent. Through the 90s, I stayed abstinent. Halfway through the second, I stayed abstinent. I've gone through death in the family. I found out I was HIV positive. I uh, went through um, job changes. I've traveled around the world. And you won't give me an excuse why you can't stay abstinent. Try again, Bubba. Tell me why you can't stay abstinent. Because, yes, in all your power, you can't. As I heard at a meeting this last weekend, we admit we're powerless, but we're not helpless. Because when we walk in the doors of Overeaters Anonymous, we have found help. We have found a way to get out of the pain and the struggle. Now, I wish to God I could say that after I got absent, my life became beautifully rosy and everything. But it did not. My second year was a hell of a year. Um, I got in this relationship, a very sick relationship. I cut my hand trying to get the knife away from the man as he was trying to slice the so- uh, slash our sofa. 
And I always say, you know, to the newcomers, if you want that relationship, I understand that concept. I understand that when you're new. You want high drama. And don't tell me anything else because that's what I loved. I loved high drama. Now, I don't, when I see that with those puppy dog eyes I used to love in a man, I now see danger, danger, walk away. When I was new, it was, oh, look, you're going to need me. I can fix you. I'll make your life better. But all it was just an ego gratification for me. Why have I stayed abstinent so long? Because I believe in the disease concept. I believe that I have a disease. It is not a moral issue. I believe I have a disease that can be um, remedied with um, or put at rest by working a 12-step program. I take HIV medicine every day, twice a day. And there are some days, and I've talked this over to other HIV people who take HIV medicine, where I don't want to take my pills because one more time, I don't want to look at the fact I'm HIV positive. Just as I take that pill, it's a reminder that I'm HIV positive. So one more day, like some nights, I just don't want to take the pills, but I take my pills. And that's why I can look at abstinence. Sometimes I just really don't want to admit I'm a compulsive overeater. Sometimes I just don't want to deal with it. But the bottom line is, I am. And I guess that's when I say I buy the disease concept. The disease concept says, I am a compulsive overeater. I will never, ever be different. Science has not yet given me that option to be anything else but a compulsive overeater. I do not have a normal relationship with food. I do not have a normal relationship with food. I still, to this day, can find food to go... The good news is, the 12, you folks gave me 12 steps, 8 tools, and 12 traditions. So now I don't use food to go as much. And now what I've learned to do is I've learned to use meditation and prayer to go. And without using food and using prayer and meditation, that lasts a lot longer through the day. I, um, I was a nail biter for, for 50 years. I bit my nails for 50 years. And I asked my uh, acupuncturist, I said, can you put some needles in me so I can stop biting my nails? And she said, no. But I can maybe put some needles in you so I can, uh, I can take the stress off so I don't have to bite your nails. And I don't bite my nails anymore. Now, the bottom line that I weigh, I look at this, because everything to me is an analogy back to program, is that's what my 12 steps, that's by working this program does to me. By working, my, by working the program, I take the edge off of me, so I'm to go to eat such food to take the edge off. Because as long as I'm irritable and discontent, my natural drive is to go to excess food. My natural drive is to take the edge off with a little food. Because like I said, I can still go with food. But the good news is now I've learned to go with prayer and meditation and working the steps. Now, one of the greatest things that was taught to me when I was relatively new, and I'm going to say this because a lot of people know me for the saying, and I still believe it to this day, and I believe you're a newcomer until you have 10 years or less of abstinence, uh, until you have, as long as you have 10 years or less of abstinence. And if you're out there going, well, you don't know where I, you know, you might want to check your ego. And when you get 28 years, you can talk to me about how I was wrong about 10 years of abstinence or less. You're still a newcomer. And I'm talking day in, back to back abstinence because what happens after 10 years is you get to fly, baby. You get to fly like you've never flown before. And that's what this program's given me. 
What you experience at one year, what you experience at two years, what you experience at five years, what you experience at seven years. God bless you if you're at seven years. I understand it's horrible out there. If you're in that five to ten year range, it is sucks big time. Because what happens after five years of absence, the research of the human ego becomes so strong that literally you start talking about, this is newcomer crap. This is newcomer stuff I'm working with. That's because the research, because you start buying those press releases that you hear from other people that goes, hey, you've got five years. You're pretty hot, you know? And we start buying them. So if you've got five to ten years, I understand. Keep coming back. And don't blow it. Because, baby, when you get to 10, you will fly. And that's what this program guarantees me. This program, it guarantees me happiness, joy, and freedom. Bottom line. It doesn't say, come in, lose weight, and become miserable. It doesn't say, come in, be happy, joyous, and free, and you can keep your, all your weight on. It doesn't say, come in, and you get to relate to all your people the same way you always relate to everyone. What this program says is that basically... I have to come in and change every thought, every action I had. I had to hold it up to inspection in a step four and step ten. I have to hold up every action and thought I do to my to introspection. That I don't get to sit there and play dumb anymore and play victim. Because by playing victim, I get to blame you. And this program says I don't get to blame anybody. I get to look at my own stuff. And that's why I'm grateful. And that's why people today look at me and tell me how they want my life, how they appreciate me, and how I'm a joy to be around. And I got news for you. Before I came over as anonymous, no one wanted to be around me. I didn't want to be around me. And that's what this program is offered. Um, when I was five years absent, I got very sick with hepatitis. And I called a baby that I, I, was, I was wound up... Um, went through all my savings and I wound up getting a job as a waiter and I was a waiter trainer and I wasn't making money and I was out of money and I, I went to work as a waiter trainer and I ran out of gas I had no money for gas five years absent and I called this gal I sponsored to come pick me up and she showed up with a can of gas and she says have you eaten and I said no I haven't she's come back to my house I'll feed you and as I dropped following this woman back to her house, I was bawling my eyes out. Because you don't understand, I'm the sponsor. I'm supposed to have it together. I'm not supposed to be relying upon her. I'm supposed to have it all together. And I was bawling my eyes out and said, God, I do not get it. I do not understand why I have to go through this right now. I do not understand, God. But I will make a commitment to you. I will abstain today so I can get through it to the other side so I know what this is all about. And that's what this program has taught me. Either I can walk through the fire tonight or I can walk through the fire in the morning. But sooner or later, I can walk through the fire. Now, I cannot talk about how much service has done in my, done in my life. As I said, I'm the chair of the LA Intergroup. Now, I've been, walk, I've been traveling around this country for years, speaking at conventions and doing retreats and so forth. And I've been doing service, and I had this, this guy I sponsored who was chair of the LA Intergroup, and I said, well, you know, we have different, we have different, you can do that to the service, I'll do this type of service. I got this great gift of gab, whatever, you know, he can go do this. But there was a, there was this gal I was sponsoring, 
said, you know what we really need is we need a treasurer for the LA Intergroup Board. Now I'm a bookkeeper by trade. And I guess there's no clear signal I need than someone you're, when someone says we need a we need a bookkeeper for the Los Angeles Intergroup. So I was the treasurer for three years, and this is my last year on the board, and I'm become the chair. And what this has done is it has made my program grow in ways that I cannot even fathom yet, because I've got to learn about the traditions. I've got to study the traditions. I've had stuff come at me that I didn't know existed in Overs Anonymous. But I've got to look at the traditions and go, no, this is a break of traditions. It's not popular. It's not what I want. It's not what I would, don't want to be, I'm not going to win a popularity contest by saying this, but it's the traditions. This program, after 50 years, is steeped in our own traditions. Our program, after 50 years, is steeped in strength, in abstinence. We don't need that grandfather program for what we have now. We now have our own program, and it's a blessed program. Now, if you're like me, I don't want to be a member of Overs Anonymous. I, to this day, I don't want to be a member of Overs Anonymous. I don't want to be a compulsive reader. To this day, I don't want to be a compulsive. I'd rather not be a compulsive reader. But my sponsor tells me, tough. You want fair? Go to Pomona, which is our Los Angeles County Fair. She says, you don't go to Regionomist for it to be social, to be friendly. You go there to save your ass. And that's why I continue to conduct over Regionomist. Because I have to save my ass. Because I love what I get from this program. I love the benefits from working eight steps, I mean eight tools, 12 steps, and 12 traditions. And I have a wonderful home group that I go to every week that I just love going to. I mean, it's become my, and I believe in a home group. Because with a home group, if I don't show up, they ask me, where were you? What happened to you? I'm accountable. And that's what this program has made me. Accountable to you, accountable to myself, accountable to God. Because this program has taught me how to be a man. Thanks for letting me share. Wow, if that doesn't give you chills up and down your spine, I don't know what will. Um, okay, where am I at? Uh, okay. Um, okay, I'd like to introduce uh, again our hotel liaison, uh, Millie. Millie, where are you? compulsive overeater, uh, and I have had the honor and privilege of uh, being the hotel liaison for this convention, and I want to say what a, what a great place this is to work with. The people we worked with here have been really wonderful to us, and they've been a, it's, they've been wonderful hosts. So anyway, I w- just want to tell you a few things about um, the hotel. We want to make sure that everybody that is staying at the hotel has told the people at the front desk that they're at the convention. That's that's very important that you, you know, if you uh, read, you know, are staying at the hotel and didn't make the reservation earlier through OA, make sure they know that you're that you're uh, at the convention. And I'm going to say a couple things about parking. Um, we got a special rate of parking for the people that are staying at the hotel of. 
$10 per night instead of the $12 they usually park uh, charge. So it's $10 to stay overnight in the parking. If you're just attending for the day, there's free parking, and you can park up above by trophies or out in the street or in their lot. Um, I need you to please contact me if there's anything that is is uh, array, if you're too warm or the room's too cold or anything like that. Let me know so that I can go to the hotel rather than a whole bunch of different people going to the hotel. It just makes it a lot easier. So remember me and come to me. Um, the bathrooms, uh, there's bathrooms in two different places right outside these doors down this hall to the right. There's the bathrooms in the convention area. And then there's also bathrooms out um, just on the other side of the elevator there. There's out in the lobby area, there's bathrooms also. Um, there is two swimming pools here and a jacuzzi. The one swimming pool and the jacuzzi that are outdoors are open from 5.30 in the morning till 10 p.m. And there's an indoor pool and it is open 24 hours. Um, on tomorrow and Saturday, since we don't have any meals planned for the convention, the hotel is offering us a buffet luncheon that they're going to serve up in their in their restaurant over here, and they're giving us uh, the people that are attending the convention uh, a special price of uh, 12.95 um, plus the tax and tip, and it will be you know soup and salad makings and lunch meats and um, good wholesome. Breads. It's going to be a good, nice, abstinent buffet with uh, fresh fruit and veggies and that sort of thing. And there'll also be their regular menu there also. Um, and one more thing on the program, you'll see that it says that there's meetings in in salons like Salon One, Two, and Three. Well, this ballroom here breaks up into different salons, so that is what it means. If you'll notice on the outside of the doors, it says Ballroom 1, Ballroom 2, Ballroom 3, and we have printed it up in the program to say Salon 1, 2, and 3, and 4, and that sort of thing. So uh, just to clarify that, because it was confusing some people. And I think that that's just about all I have to say, and I want to thank you very much for letting me do service. I'm going to sneak out this way. Okay, uh, next I, uh, I'd like to have uh, Bill come up and he's going to say a couple of words about our security committee. Hi, my name is Bill. I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm so glad to be here. You know, 22 years and God, I love it. I love it. I never look back. Uh, first of all, I'd like to change the name of my committee from the security to the host committee. With the permission of the chair? All in favor? Okay. Thank you. So be it. Okay. Now that the host committee assists the chairperson and the other committee chairs as needed and also helps uh, convention participants, you know, if they have any questions. Right? By the way, security, you see the big big guy standing over here with a black suit on? He's not here right now, but he was hanging around. That's security. <laughs> you got a problem, you go to him. You want help? Come to me. Okay. Uh, now, if you'd like to be on the host committee and get one of these fancy 2008 OA Convention souvenir jackets, something to take home. Uh, see me later with your room number or your phone number so we can be in touch with you. The assignments are easy. 
and a, a good way to meet other uh, compulsive readers and other people. Also, they're a lot of fun. So, anyway, if you'd like to be a member of the host committee, come and see me. And uh, like I said, be sitting at the door, taking tickets, something, something. Uh, so I try to use a lot of that. Uh, and also, none, none of this. We got that, that guy in the black suit who was over there. All right, thank you. Okay, I have just a couple more announcements. Um, you'll find an evaluation form in your packets. Please fill it out and uh, drop it off before you leave. There will be boxes on the uh, tables uh, out by registration in the hospitality room and so forth. And you can also hand one to any committee member wearing their uh, blue-colored uh, committee uh, badge. Uh, if you have, and you could just put excellent all the way down. That would make it a lot faster. Uh, if you've signed up to do service, please check in at the volunteer table right out here, 15 minutes before your shift. Um, we do have dinner. We have a dinner event uh, for tomorrow, but I understand that dinner uh, tickets are all sold out. Um, we will have registration open again tomorrow morning at uh, 8 a.m. Now, I'd like to ask Diane to come up here, and she's going to explain some of our fundraising events, one of which involves, I think, the L.A. birthday party. Hi, everybody. I'm Diane, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Are we having fun yet? Okay, uh, I am the fundraising chair for this convention, and I just want to thank all the wonderful people who have put in a lot of time on it, and I'm very pleased with the items we have in the boutique. The boutique is in the San Diego Room 2, and next door is the silent auction, which is part of the hospitality suite, and that would be San Diego 2. The... Uh, I think the hospitality room shares our hours, and they are from 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. tomorrow. And then on Sunday, the uh, program reads 7 to 10 a.m. Well, I have good news for you. It's actually open from 7 a.m. to 1 p.m. So don't go away empty-handed. The prices range from very inexpensive to next door where we have auction bids. We have wonderful baskets, a lot of, uh, just a lot of variety. And um, just ask anybody who's working there if you have any questions. And that leads me to the next subject. We uh, need volunteers. So it's a really fun place to volunteer and it's a great way to do fellowship. And speaking of fellowship, we have worked at our central meeting place here in San Diego for four months on Saturdays to do the crafts, and it's just been a wonderful fellowship and a lot of fun. Thank you. And if you can notice my necklace, no, that isn't a fashion statement. That is an invitation to buy tickets. We have um, quilt and Afghan prizes. And we have the quilt and afghan displayed in the hospitality room. Again, that's San Diego room two. And we are selling red tickets for that. 
uh, $1 per ticket or 6 for $5. And I want to thank all of you who did sell the other red tickets. So again, the red tickets will also be Quilt and Afghan. We have the uh, prizes, and they are the tan tickets. No, I'm sorry, they're the orange tickets. We've got three different tickets going here. And the prizes are really exciting. Our first prize is the deluxe convention package for next year in San Jose, and that includes the whole works. Uh, the second prize is an Apple iPod, which is a really nice um, prize. And then third place, we have the LA Intergroup birthday party. And that's for the registration. And that's also for the fourth place is the birthday party registration. So we have two of them. Then another item we have that is the um, tan tickets is the 50-50 drawing. And 50% goes to you, the 50% of the cash, and the other 50% goes to the Region 2 intergroup. So uh, I want you to look for people wearing these necklaces. And they have um, the tickets available for sale. And then I want you to volunteer to be one of those people who wears those necklaces. So um, we really do need a lot of volunteers. And I really encourage your attendance. Um, we have at the uh, boutique, we have clothing, crafts, new and used miscellaneous items. And uh, at the silent auction, we have many baskets. We have a Padres baseball package. We have uh, different Afghans that have been handmade. Um, there's just a lot of variety. We have a beautiful fountain. We have a lot of variety. So please check it out and have a wonderful weekend. Thank you. Okay. Well, I know you all have been waiting for entertainment, and uh, we're going to bring on uh, Reggie and the entertainment committee, and it's about ready now. Okay. Okay, we have a uh, little housekeeping to do. Carol just informed me that I was mistaken about the prize. The third place prize is not just the LA Intergroup registration, I mean uh, the LA Birthday Party registration, but it is a complete package. So that is very gracious of them and that's quite a package. That includes hotel, convention, meals, is that correct? Oh, is that what? Okay, that got me confused. I'm sorry about that. Um, so as I had them earlier, I guess that that stands. And, but that is a, a very good thing to um, bid on for the auction. So I do want to keep that in mind for you. Thank you. Now we have some really great entertainment, uh, really headliner acts. Uh, and I'm going to walk over there and uh, turn off the, the lights. So uh, please give a warm welcome to Reggie.
titty titty bop. Where's Willie at? We need to get the podium off the stage. I can't see. So how you guys doing? I said, how you guys doing? Well, I hope you're ready for a good variety show. We got some good acts. Boy, do we. <laughs> How's my tuxedo? Pretty good, huh? And you know, uh, there's one thing that I was told in this program that I didn't have to do this show alone. And I'm looking for Sharon. So enjoyed your talk. Oh, Sharon. And you know what? It reminded me so much of the thing that my sponsor told me yep, the other yep, day. Yep. Told me to write about it. Okay, and here I we go. Started laughing. I mean, it's like, you know, I didn't want to do it. At Sharon, all. this I is really God. Report to the stage now. Sorry, I'm overweight. <laughs> I love God. Okay. Hello, 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 hello. Okay. We're gonna have a good time tonight, right? Did you guys all leave? No, they're out there. They're out there. I can okay. I can see a bunch of heads right here in the middle. Okay. Well, as long as I don't have to read, I'm taking off my glasses. Oh, okay. Good. Good. So I'm going to introduce the first act. Now I know all of you got a program on your chairs, and inside that program is a song that you have. You don't have to sing. I'm suggesting you sing yeah, you it, do. or I will call security. Um, but we're doing the song at the end, but this first group is going to sing it for you so you can get a chance to see how it sounds and everything. So let's bring on to the stage the North County Girls.
Yeah, no tenny girls. Give it up for them. Barb, where are you? Can we turn the lights up just a, a tad? Because the next person on this stage you really want to see. I have. When? Okay. Who is it? Who is it? I'm excited. So I'm I'm I'm, I'm excited too. You want to tell me who it is? Come. On. You guys excited? Uncle Reggie. Okay, here we go. Dancing at the Oasis by a belly dancer. <laughs> 